people, you need to move in a mighty way this morning. You know what we need to hear. You know what every individual here is dealing with. And so I pray that the words that are spoken today will be applied to their hearts and applied to whatever they're dealing with. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hope rises in the valley. And it begins as a, as a spark of hope. And that's what we see in verses 14 to 16. This spark of hope is seen in the extra measure of kindness that Boaz showed toward Ruth. You see, the law only required him to let, Bo, let her glean in his field. And he did that. But he goes beyond that. Let her eat with his reapers. He invited her to eat. And he serves her. He says, so she sat beside the reapers and he passed her some roasted grain. We see Ruth not being treated as a gleaner here, but she's been treated as an equal with the rest of Boaz's reapers. He extends kindness and favor without hurting and destroying her dignity. And not only that, but as one Christian says, he, he elevated her status from a, glean, from a gleaner to a reaper. She now belongs to his circle, a status change. She's welcome at his table as one of theirs. She's not part of the circle. She's now in his group. And she eats until she was satisfied. This kindness toward her was good. It showed another way in which Lord Yahweh was providing for Ruth. You see, she no longer had to pick up leftovers either. She no longer had to glean behind the reapers. Now she was part of the group. What else does he do? He, he tells the men, let her glean them on the sheaves. And not only that, I want you to pull some stuff out of the things that are already packed up and let her have those too. Now, he's going way beyond kindness. He's taking money out of his pocket. Now, I want you to do that. You know what? You don't say nothing to her and you don't even rebuke her. Let her have it. Do not insult her. Do not rebuke her. What do you think about this? Why do you think he did that? Has he just been a nice farmer, a nice Christian? Or is he sweet on Ruth? <laughs> or interested in her? I think it's a bit of both. He's generous and he's interested. Because chapter 3, he tells, us, tells, tells Ruth, for all my fellow townsmen know you are a worthy woman. He knew she was a worthy woman before chapter 3. Because he's heard about her before he actually met her. The story is about how she left her family to go help Naomi. So he knew who she was. Now he's just seen her face to face and showing her extra kindness. In this encounter with Ruth, he knows she's worthy. And his interest in her is a spark of hope for rest. Rest that Naomi prayed would come to Ruth back in chapter 1. See, we can clearly see the Lord moving here. Now, she can't see it probably because she's living it. We're looking back into her life. And so we see sovereignty. We see his providence working out on her behalf. I see, I hope you realize that Ruth is clueless to who Boaz is really, who he is. She doesn't know that he's a relative of Naomi. To her, he's just some nice farmer who gave her a job so, and some food to eat. That's, 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 at this point, that's all she sees. She doesn't even realize 
the true blessings that fell into her lap, that he elevated her status. He's throwing out stuff and letting her get it. It's falling into her lap. Thou is extending kindness to her toward the generosity of Boaz. She is unaware of what the Lord is ordering behind the scenes of her life, and so are you. Do you know that, right? We are always unaware of what the Lord is ordering behind the scenes of our life. Because we can't see. His hand is always at work. But it's working. Through the simplest things you think is just a coincidence, the Lord can you, is using that for you. For you. What is, what is she doing? She is just being faithful. She just wanted a job. She just wanted some food. And she's focused on right what's right in front of her. What's in front of her work? That's what's in front of her. Gleaning in Boaz's field. And so after she eats, she goes back to glean, working in the field until evening. What's in front of you this morning? What's in front of you? Or are you being faithful to what is right in front of you? Some of us got to stop looking deeper into the forest and focus on the trees that we can see. That's what we need to do. My, my problem is that I'm always looking down the, through the forest and I forget the trees that's right in front of me. And that goes for the problems in your life. You can't worry about the problems ahead. What about what's in front of you that you can see? I, I, often I send out a thought of the week to the church. And the, the recent one I sent out, I said, sometimes I feel like a social worker. The social worker pastor. Why did I say that? Because ministry here is different. It is not what I envisioned when I went to seminary. It's it's more than just teaching and preaching on Sunday. It's more than that. It's more than just arguments about the church building or whether or not we're going to have stained glass windows and all that. Or we're going to take the baptismal out. Every day, I said, we come face to face with some of the worst consequences of sin. We see generational sins that still hold people and families in bondage. We see individuals who are still suffering from the sins placed on them by other people. And what is our reality? Reality for us is that there are no quick fixes. There's not a a book or a tape or a CD I can give you that's going to make things magically happen. There's no blueprint for ministry here, though I wish there was. You see, only when we truly realize the work is bigger than us will we ever consistently humble ourselves before the Lord in prayer and trust him to do what we cannot do. Second Chronicles 14.11 says, There is none like you to help between mighty and the weak. Help us, O Yahweh our God, for we rely on you, and in your great name we come against this multitude. Yahweh, let not man prevail against you. You see, as a church, or as an individual, or as a family, each of us need to pray these words daily because we need to rely on him that when you come up against a multitude of of brokenness, a multitude of family issues and drama, abuses, poverty, parental neglect, broken marriages, disobedient kids, sickness, addiction, depression, etc., you have to believe that none of those will prevail against Yahweh. None of them. You have to believe in that, and that's hope. That he is at work on your behalf. The word says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Are your eyes on him? 
Are your eyes on it? Just look at how he ordered the steps of Ruth here. She just went to go to work, but she ended up in the field of someone that's going to probably change her life forever. And she just went to work. What's the lesson? Just be responsible where you are. Just be faithful where you are. Faithful to what God has called you to do. He has not given up on his beloved people. He's at work. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. The text says, so she gleaned into the field until evening. And then she beat out what she had uh, gleaned. And then she took it up and went into the city. And she met up with her mother-in-law. And when she meets up with her, you see the spark of hope eventually turns into an array of hope because of who Boaz really is. After work, she meets up with Naomi. She shows her what she gleaned and, and the food that she had left over. She gave it to Naomi to eat. And then Naomi asked a very important question. Where did you glean today? Where have you worked today? Blessed be the man who took notice of you, who extended kindness and favor to you. And Ruth replies, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And with those words, Naomi had a hallelujah moment. <laughs> if you know what those moments are like, you know what those moments are like. When Yahweh makes a way, you're like, hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> she probably fell out of a chair when she found that out. <laughs> and we know what those moments are like when, when we finally see the Lord's hand at work. We can finally see him work within a difficult situation. And all we can say is amen. amen. The Lord is working. And what does she say? May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. That's, Ruth, that's Naomi's response. Wow. Those are, these, these words are a turning point for her and for Ruth. A spark of hope is now an array of hope. And look how different these words are from what she said when she first got to Bethlehem. You know what she said when she first got there, right? Well, call me Mara. Call me bitter. Don't call me Naomi. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. He took away all I got. I went away full. He brought me back empty. Why call me pleasant? The Lord testified against me. It's his fault. I lost all my family. And now she's like, Blessed be the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead, even her dead family. He's faithful to them in what's taking place. The message, which is another translation, I like what, I like what it says, its translation of this verse. It says, why God bless that man who hasn't quite walked out on us after all. He still loves us in good times and bad. He has not walked out on us. That's what she thought when she first got there. That he abandoned me. He walked out on me. And now she's saying, no. In suffering, he does not walk out. He still makes a way in the midst of the suffering. It's what she's seeing and understanding. Do you see that and do you understand that for your own suffering? Or the, one, the suffering that's to come? Because it's going to come. Eventually. Yahweh's hand is all over what has happened. His kindness produces this array of hope in her. For she sees that the Lord did not walk out on her, but remained faithful to her. Oh, 
how he loves his people. We all know that life is not going to always be sunny side up. I wish I can sit here and tell you that it is, but it's not. But you know what is sunny side up? His faithfulness to you. His kindness to you. His favor and love to you. It's always sunny side up. Even when he disciplined us, it's sunny side up for us because it's for our good. For our good. This is what Naomi is seeing now. That, yes, I'm not going to have this easy going life without suffering, but I got a God who is always there. God who is always faithful. That's what he, she's learning. That he would never walk out on us. Our papa is not a rolling stone. I don't care what the song says. I don't care what it says. Not this Papa, anyway. Never will he leave his beloved. Psalm 95 says, This I know, the Lord is for me. Do you know that? For you and for your beloved, for you and for your family. He's for you. You got to hold firm to that truth in the midst of what you're going through. Naomi's filled with great hope and excitement about Ruth working in Boaz's field. And I ask myself, why is she excited? To be honest, Ruth is probably asking herself the same question. So why are you excited about this mother-in-law? It's just an old farmer. I'm just working in his field. What's so special about him? He's one of our close relatives, our redeemer. Chance or providence? Providence. You see, Boaz is not just any Israelite farmer. Not just any relative, but he's one of the close relatives, one of the redeemers, a kinsman redeemer. And it's not by chance that she came to his particular field. She had, this had to happen. Because she went to anyone else who wasn't a redeemer, but he's just a farmer. But he's more than just a farmer. He's able to help them get the rest that Naomi wanted for Ruth. The word in the world is a kinsman redeemer, Alex. In ancient Israel, a kinsman redeemer had a special role within his particular clan. He was a protector of the clan. And in certain circumstances, as one author says, he redeems family members in need. It could be property. It could also be individuals. Leviticus 25 gives us two uh, responsibilities that a redeemer. One is to redeem a family member's property that has been sold. Second is the redemption of family members. Ruth and Naomi are family members of Boaz. And so you can see why Naomi is excited, why she has hope, because she sees the possibility of redemption out of where she is. Try to see this from Naomi's point of view. Try to see this from, from her, where she is standing. She came to Bethlehem in great grief and despair, hopelessness, and even blaming Yahweh for all her hardships. But now her heart turns a page, and it's seeing clear that Yahweh it did not quit on her, even though she lost everything. He is still working. Still working. You can see why she's excited and filled with hope. Redemption may not be far off, but it's probably standing right in front of her, through Boaz. Who made this happen? Yahweh made it happen. He made it. And you say, what's so special about them being redeemed? Because the redemption she's looking for is marriage for Ruth. 
And for an Israelite woman, marriage for her meant everything. There's benefits that came with that. Protection, provision, stability, and security. That's the rest that she's wanting. See, everyone here who is a believer should know something about what it means to be redeemed. Right? You should know what it's like. You should know something about that word because that's what Jesus did for us. Redeemed us. Saved us. When we were were lost in our sin. And if you don't know him this morning, if you don't have a relationship with him this morning, then guess what you can. We live in a world that loves to be redeemed. Just look how many people went to the Batman movie. That's about redemption. That's about salvation. That's about wanting a savior, a hero. Jesus is more than just a hero. He's a redeemer. He can change someone's dead heart and give them a new one. That's more powerful than any, what any superhero can do. And if you don't have that, that's available to you. Romans 8, 30, 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Man, do you see? He sent Jesus to the cross. And that little thing that you're dealing with now, that little hardship or that frustration that you're dealing with now, it's not too small, not too big for him. Not too big for him. But it hurts. As I know it hurts. He knows it hurts. But guess what? He's at work through the pain. Go to this verse. Memorize this verse. Don't lose hope. Is what I'm trying to tell you. He said, well, I have hope now, Alex. What I'm saying is have it in the midst of the pain. He said, well, I'm not in pain right now, but it's going to come. Look around you. Some of us are going to have great loss in our life. I mean, we need to accept that. Some of us are going to lose loved ones. Some of us are going to get sick with something. That's just life. But you, if you don't have firm belief in the goodness of God, it will take you to a deep despair. So you've got to know that whatever comes your way, it can be well with your soul if you truly know that God is at work for me and he's not against me. That no matter what the enemy does, the Father will see me through. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that in this book, Lord, we are seeing how you work. This is what this book is about. We're seeing how our God works through things that seem to be coincidence or chance. It's actually you working on behalf of your people. And I pray as we continue, Lord, that we will see how you're working in our own life through, through, through just natural things of life, things that we think are just by chance or, or fate or not. It's how God at work. We, we, we sometimes want pie-in-the-sky Christianity, but, Lord, just be faithful where we are, Father. As I prayed earlier, you know what we need. You know what every marriage here needs. You know what every Christian here needs. You know what every individual here needs. In spirit, give it to them. 
Help them to hold firm to the hope that they are not alone in this life, that our God is forever faithful. In Christ's name I pray.